Welcome to Wedding and Event Podcast. Frank podcast discussions for event professionals and those planning successful events. With wedding and special event consultant, Toby Dodge of Prepared.com. And Eric Zimmerman, pianist, DJ, and master of ceremonies of ElegantMusic.com. Hello, everyone. The title of this episode is Events Go Well When... Episode 23. I got a thank you note from a couple whose wedding I had done several months before. I love receiving these, and in reading it, it was as if I could hear their voices and sense them in the room with me. It really brought me back to their wedding, and how well it went. I started thinking about what it was that made their wedding such a success and came up with a partial statement. Events go well when... I started playing with concepts that might make a complete statement and came up with several. I quickly realized, though, that there could be many such statements, each of which would express only a partial viewpoint, that it was possible none could be definitive and applied to everyone. It may be that such a statement would only be momentarily true and according to the individual and what's important to them. Asking Toby to complete this statement resulted in an excellent discussion. And now, please enjoy episode 23, Events Go Well When... I'm doing an email right now from a wedding that I had done back in December. Uh Uh-huh. And I just now got a thank you note from them. Really? Yeah, it was a really sweet note, and it just made me fall in love with this couple all over again. Oh. They they were just amazing. Um, and so as I was looking at this event and what made it successful, yeah, I came up with this tagline or this or this beginning line is that events go well when, you know, and uh, and I started filling in the blanks. And then I thought, well, this would be an interesting thing to uh, run by Toby. And, uh, and I like what you said. I like what you said. Events go well when all parties concerned in the execution of the event are in sync with the purpose and priorities of the event. That just sums it up. It really does. <laughs> yeah, it does. You know, the funny part is the um, it doesn't mean that it's rare. Let's put it that way that the entire family and wedding party are in sync <laughs> because they tend to have other <laughs> um, agendas sometimes. But in general, yeah, I really uh, believe that, that if everyone is, you know how some weddings and bar mitzvahs and anniversary parties, they just want to have a big party, you know? And they, they, they're in the mood to dance and they just, you start, you could play anything, you know, and this is not to downgrade your abilities at all, but literally the, the, this group of people are ready to party. And when the music starts, they're on the dance floor and you almost have to beg them to get off so that you can introduce whoever the honoree is or 
in my case, the bride and groom. I've seen it happen. And especially if you have a big uh, dance band and you're in a ballroom and they've had an hour of cocktails and they have loosened up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I had one real big uh, Armenian wedding several years ago. And I often refer to this wedding because it was uh, so atypical in some ways and so typical in others. And one of the ways it was really typical was in the Armenian tradition, the bridesmaids and the parents and the bride change their clothes before they come into the um dinner uh, dancing uh, reception they usually have marvelous hors d'oeuvres because it's going to be a good hour before they come back because they want to be with their uh, families to a uh, degree and then they leave to change their clothes so this in kind was wonderful I mean there was so much food, I'm telling you. I don't know how they ate their dinner, frankly. And so the bridesmaids and the mother and the bride and everybody went up. And the bride um, changed her jewelry. She didn't really change her dress, but she bustled it. And I think she had a tiara that she put on. So she definitely, you know, did something. But the mother and, the, and her sister and a couple other bridesmaids did change their clothes. Well, the maid of honor's dress zipper wouldn't go up. It was just stuck. It wasn't tight. It just wouldn't go up. And I looked at it very carefully. I actually had to get a magnifying glass that I keep that I used to keep with me for those moments when you can't see, you know. You can't fix a zipper. You you need a yeah. You really do sometimes. You know, especially okay. when the lighting is so bad and everything. So I oh, yeah. I I kept a, a magnifying glass with me, and I saw that a couple of the teeth were missing from the zipper. So no wonder it didn't go up. Oh my! I know it was an oh my god moment. So here we go. I know that I can sew somebody into a dress in 20 minutes. I've done it enough. I know how long it takes me. Okay. And I used to, I always asked what color of thread everybody was wearing. And I kept, you know, at least 24 colors with me that could blend. So even if it wasn't a perfect match, it was close enough. And I would get him into that dress. We didn't have the 20 minutes. It had already been an hour and 15. So essentially, we had to make this decision. Do we have everybody come into the ballroom? Because you can't feed them anymore. I mean, literally, they won't eat their dinner. And there was so much food. 
do you have them just hang out, drink more, which also isn't such a good idea. <laughs> you know? I mean, this we knew this wedding was going to go at least until uh, 1.30 as far as the bar. The wedding uh-huh. ceremony was in the afternoon. So they had been partying already from probably 5, 6 o'clock. So can't remember the exact timing, but this was not a good idea. I knew. So... <laughs> We had to make a decision. Do we have them come into the ballroom and 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 have them basically dance, which was not this family's um, culture, particular culture. It's not unusual for other Armenian families to dance. Uh, I've experienced before the bride and groom come in, but this family did not want that. Wow. And so I said, look, for your, you want this party to go a long time. We're better off having everybody come into the ballroom and dance before you come in. Let them work that liquor and and food out so they'll actually have an appetite for dinner. Mm-hmm. Now, the real reason the bride and groom didn't want that is they wanted drama and I said, okay, okay. You can have, have a- my job if you want drama. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I said, I got an idea. I got an idea. They were having a, a smog, you know, a fog, excuse me, not smog, fog machine. And they had this big boom that was going to capture the action from above. Mm-hmm. So I said, great. What we'll do is we'll take all the lights down. They'll, they'll dance, we'll get them in their seats, and we'll make it totally black. And then we'll only put the light on the center of the dance floor. And then the smog will start. I mean, he, we're redirecting the whole evening within five minutes. And we'll have you walk in there. It, we can't do the whole family because before we were gonna, you know, have the family before them and all that kind of stuff, and then they were gonna close the lights down. We don't have time for all of that, you know, because I figured that the band was gonna leave, you know, at a certain time, and the food was gonna be. I mean, everything was thrown off, and so I, I was gonna have trouble with the kitchen as well. And I said, and the next dance, after the first course, then we'll bring the family and we'll honor the parents. I know it's kind of weird the way I'm suggesting, but you want the drama. What's more important, the drama or the family? She chose the drama. (laughs) (laughs) So there you go. It all went okay. But, I mean... The families didn't know what was planned, but I never sewed so fast in all my life. And you know what I did to make sure that I wouldn't have a problem? I put, um, what do you call it? Band-Aids on my first two fingers. 
because going through the fabric is very hard sometimes near a oh, zipper because you yeah. have seams and it can get a little thick. And all you need is one puncture of your skin and you're done. So they were asking me as they saw me wrapping my fingers, just what are you worried about, Toby? You know, I said, I just don't want to get anything, you know, at my, um, what do you call blood it? Blood on No, I, no, I didn't dress. say blood. <laughs> I said, I didn't want to, I didn't want to smudge uh, with my oils on the fabric is what I said, because I didn't want to scare them. But, you know, because I was going to be touching their, their uh, fabric. Oh my God! Wow. But I have a I have a, a funny thing to say. If you do get blood on a shirt or a dress or something like that, you can remove the blood instantly. By whosoever blood it is has to spit on the blood, and then you rub the fabric together. Your enzymes in your saliva will dissolve the blood stain immediately. Obviously, it can't be a big blood stain, but if it's a small blood stain, it will take care of it. Wow. Yeah, that's a wow. Because sometimes men do that on their shirt collar. You know, they, they, they mm-hmm. shave or whatever and... They think, you know, they've had one of those sticks that uh, seals it and somehow it reopens. And so, I mean, you know, you do have to take the shirt off to get to your collar. But if you do that, I've gotten it out. Back on the shirt goes and we're fine. Well, I'm going to put that on the list along with um, the magnifying glass, the 24 uh, colors of thread. (laughs) (laughs) And <laughs> the saliva. <laughs> now, it's, that's not anybody's saliva. It has to be the individual's saliva. Yes, it has um, to be oh. the saliva of the blood. Yes. Well, okay. Your DNA is there, one way or the <laughs> other. <laughs> All right, so events go well when all parties concerned in the execution of the event are in sync with the purpose and priorities of the event. And you have a coordinator like Toby Dodge, <laughs> who's knowledgeable, I would say, and experienced. Oh. <laughs> well, I right. don't even—I don't even remember how, when I learned that. You know, it's—and the funny thing is, I thought I was going to be so smart at this wedding because uh, in my bag. <laughs> I have, and it was given to me by a cleaners. It's a wax, and it looks like a little crayon. And um, I don't recall the manufacturer, but it's exactly for sticking uh, zippers. So you just rub the little wax on the teeth of the of, of the zipper, and it, then it will glide up. And I maintain that's one of the reasons why the the polyester zippers were invented because they are invisible. You don't see the zipper as much from uh, as a regular dress or you know pair of pants, whatever. So 
and they would be, you know, they've had them for many, many years and they're invisible. And it's wonderful because you only see the little tab, you know, otherwise it's just like a seam. However, I didn't like those invisible ones because they're not very strong. And so if someone puts on a little weight, if they happen to have a really big sneeze and the dress was pretty um, cozy, fitted, fitted mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. can break the zipper. You know, the the it'll open up. And if you can't pull it down straight to redo it and then go back mm-hmm. up again, I'm in the same problem again. Mm-hmm. So, which has also happened. So it's one of those quirky things that you just have to watch out for. So that's why you have to have all those little gadgets because you never mm-hmm. know, you know, what you're going to run into. <laughs> <laughs> all, right. all right. Now, something in this statement is very, very interesting. Yes. That, um, events go well when all parties concerned in the execution of the event are in sync with the purpose and priorities of the event. Now, all parties concerned in the execution of the event. Now, that could imply that this is the uh, delivery team, the production team. The, Absolutely. And yeah. I guess that would include the vendors. All the vendors, um, the sites, um Anyone who is participating, which also includes some of the family, if they're doing uh, specific duties. Because sometimes, you know, they you have family that's participating, especially if you have mm. pre-ceremony functions where you have family members that are taking on the responsibilities to gather items for let's say in a Jewish wedding, an observant wedding where they would have the greeting of the bride and some of the family does little speeches, they, they get elders and they have uh, a little stage and they have special chairs on this little uh, stage and they sometimes sing, they dance, they tell poems and then while the women are doing that. The men are uh, in a ceremony called the Tish, which the rabbi and the groom and the men gather to review the uh, ketubah, the Jewish marriage contract. And they have uh, schnapps, uh, usually a sweet um, uh, uh, liquor and little sponge cakes. So someone mm-hmm. brings that and the ketubah, you know. I mean, there's all these little things. Now, sometimes I'm responsible for all of that to bring everything except the ketubah, obviously. Um, uh, I once had a couple that wanted me to keep the ketubah overnight. We had a rehearsal, and they, I don't know why, I can't even remember what the reason was, but they wanted me to have the ketubah. I did it once, but I didn't do it again because I felt that that, like a wedding license, should be in the hands 
of the legally responsible people, and that's not me. And so ever since th that time, uh, I, I've refused. Oh, now I know why. I remember the ketubah was framed. It was in this huge frame. And they mm -hmm. they didn't ha their car was their literally their car uh, was a little sports car and they couldn't put it in there and they didn't want to leave it in the car so people could see it overnight so I put it in my trunk but that was the first and last time mm -hmm. that I did that all right ah yeah <laughs> so, so then I would think that some of the uh, responsibilities then of a, of a wedding coordinator uh, yeah. or a wedding designer or a wedding um, producer or, and we, yeah. we're going to revisit those definitions. We will, we will clear yeah. those up. Um, but would be to make sure that people are on the team or they're on the organizing chart or something like this and that they have their responsibilities known and they know when they're going to be executing those responsibilities. I think everybody wants to participate at a wedding. I mean, just by being at a wedding, their, their presence and their attention uh, and showing their support for the bride and groom. And that's very, very important. And then there are those that, that step up to taking on further responsibilities. And, uh -huh. and I think that coordinating those guys, you're giving out responsibilities, but then you're also... Uh, have the responsibility of them executing their jobs. This could be expanded, this definition here. Events go well when all parties concerned in the execution of the event are in sync with the purpose and priorities of the event. Well, how about establishing the purpose and the priorities of the event? Now, that's... Yes. You're nodding. <laughs> and, and I find that it's, it's an exploration. It's actually a... Um, a finding out process, a discovery process of when you're talking with a couple to have them voice what it is that their priorities are. I think that in some cases they will have certain ideas mm -hmm. that they already have, but that this awareness would then come up as they get closer to the event or as they discover new things or they start to realize, well, geez, I'd rather like this uh, wedding coordination, uh, this wedding planning activity that we've been undergoing for the last six months to a year. Um, and then th priorities may change or things might get bigger or they might get smaller or they make decisions based on that. I think the whole point is to think of this as a dynamic process, if I can use that word. Because when you use just changing, it doesn't really, I think, have the, the significance. But because it is a dynamic process, because there are always reasons that, that things are altered, plans are altered, whether the couple realizes that they ran out of money and they have to downsize the event for a wedding or uh, perhaps someone that was going to contribute couldn't contribute what they thought they could for uh, a birthday party or an anniversary. Uh, there's any number of reasons that changes, whether, uh, 
you know, God forbid something, a uh, national emergency. However, I think part of all of us as vendors and creatives, people in the planning stages and getting to know people, need to find out pretty straight on at the very beginning what, like you said, what the true purpose and priority or priorities are. Just like I said, you know, you know some families that just want a party. The, the ceremony is not disrespected, but it's not the focal point. It is a legality that they need to go through. Mm-hmm. And so if, if we're in sync and we can accept that, as professionals, with depending on what our fields are, then that's great. But the I think what is unfortunate is if somebody who is a vendor, let's say an organist, and they're supposed to have a, a meeting with the the bride and groom who are getting married, and is put off and put off and put off to the final days and because the music is not important to the bride and groom they just they're just doing it in a church because it's going to make their parents happy but they could care less you know what's being played well the church organist doesn't have a choice here they're being paid by the church to play. But I can imagine how that musician feels. It's like, all right, do I play what the parents want? Because obviously they're going to make the decision since the couple doesn't care. Uh And do I play with the same feeling? Because I know that this is just a formality to them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I would venture to guess that the musician is going to play as they usually do, with all the fervor and care and commitment, because that's what they do. That's what's important. Mm -hmm. However, I wonder sometimes... When a couple has, well-meaning as they are, as truthful as they are, to the respective vendors, if you know somebody doesn't care about what you're going to (laughs) do, it's hard to sustain for several hours. It's one thing if it's 20 minutes, but it's another thing if you're going to be in the company of that person for several hours. That's why I'm saying it's so important to make sure that everyone is in sync with the purpose and the priorities. Mm -hmm. Because I think I mentioned to you several years after a wedding, I saw a couple at another wedding and the bride really felt that 
I was not in sync with what some element of their wedding. And she brought it up to me seven years later. I'm okay. not proud. Was she specific? To... Yes. Was she specific? Yes. What, what was? What did she say? What, what did she well, say? Well, she 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 thought that um, I felt that everybody was drinking too much, and so I, with the catering manager, made the decision to close the bar. Really? Yes. <laughs> okay. And she she held that against me for seven uh-huh. years and told me to my face. Never wrote me. Never called me, never tried to discuss it with me. But when she was happened to be at a wedding that that I was coordinating, came up to uh-huh. me and said that. Wow. And yeah, it was a wow. To which I told her, I am bound by the certification that I have to look out for the best interests of everyone. It was a judgment call. Uh And I am deeply sorry if I disappointed her, but it was a call that I made with one other person, not just myself. Uh Didn't make any difference to her. She was still annoyed. Well, okay. Okay. But But that that, that brings up a, that brings up an amazing point here because Mm -hmm. I know that bartenders have a certain, excuse me, I guess, fiduciary duty mm-hmm. uh, in, mm-hmm. in, in this. And location managers or, you know, oh, yes. anybody who has alcohol from the, in, their president, in, in their premises. Yeah. I had not thought of that. Holy yeah. smokes. Yeah. In other words, and, and you know why it happens? Because we're afraid to stop the fun for pe- most of the people, even though there may be only a few, uh, you know, well, usually there's more than a few, but there may be a handful of people that are so overindulgent that you're afraid that they're going to uh, hurt themselves or harm others. So if you sure. if you're concerned is raised to that level, there is no question marks in your mind. Mm-hmm. Now, to be fair to this bride, I didn't feel at that moment when it happened that anyone was going to hurt somebody. What my concern was is that the event was on PCH, which is the Pacific Coast Highway, which is a dangerous road. It is. <laughs> it is. I mean, I hate to say this, but, uh, you know, because it's a gorgeous strip of California. But there are sections that are mighty dangerous. And my concern, and I may have been, you know, rather conservative in this viewpoint, was I didn't want anybody leaving that place and putting themselves or somebody else in harm's way. So right. if you're going to err on the side of caution, there are certain locations where I believe you're working in everyone's best um, interests. So 
I couldn't get mad with her. I, I didn't want to argue with her. It was her perception that right. I was disappointed in them, that I had to curtail, you know, the, the drinking. Now, what hour was that it, within, within the event? It started oh, at what time and then it ended at yeah. what time? And when did you? Um, it, I'll tell you, it only happens. I've, let's, for me, it never happened early in the evening. It always was usually in the fourth hour. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, most challenges come because they don't want to dance. They don't want to eat. They just want to drink. You know? Okay. And it's happened a few times in lovely places. has nothing to do with the you know, how fancy or nice a place is. It just, you get a, a group of people that are just, you know, hanging out and doing nothing else but drinking. And then sometimes we'll just say, you know, this is your last drink. And, mm-hmm. you know, so it doesn't stop the drinking because they just go and get somebody else to get them a drink. The only time you can really stop it is if you close the bar. Right. And once in a while, and thank God it was only once in a while, that I had to get to that point and just say, enough. Mm-hmm. And you know what it takes? And I would venture to guess this is probably... Uh, true of most decisions like this that one time somebody got out of hand and a fight broke out and then you witness it and you say to yourself never again yeah and then you're much more observant yeah you know something about this couple that gave me their their thank you note. Mm-hmm. The people that attended, it was a very big family, a very, very big family. And it was all about family. I mean, there, I, I couldn't count how many pregnant women there were in this <laughs> wedding reception. And the, and the babies that were there and the wow. family and the kids and, this, the, and the generations. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think I mentioned uh, a while back that the mother of the bride had been a, a chocolatier in Beverly Hills. So she went and, as a labor of love, just made chocolates and candies and things like this. There was an amazing candy bar. And I think that they were all, yes, people drank, and but that wasn't the, the priority there. The mm-hmm. priority was to enjoy family. Mm-hmm. And they just enjoyed the company of each other, and they didn't need anything else other than each other. And to interact on the dance floor and to just have fun. So usually with people that choose elegant music for their events, that they're always on their best behavior or they're always nice people. <laughs> and we wind up keeping in touch afterwards. Yeah. And I hear, and I hear from them months or even years later. I see them on Facebook or something like this. They, they say hi. And that's, that's really warm. Uh, feeling for me. I did get a chance to speak with a, a location manager 
about a couple who was really super nice. And then he said, he says, well, he says, you could always tell when there's a problem with the couple. You know, in other words, it, if they're working together with you and they're planning and they're, um, they're, they're complimenting each other and they're contributing to each other and everything is great, well, then you know it's going to be, their families are going to reflect that mindset or that type of goodwill toward each other. But if you get a couple that's kind of like making snide comments at each other and mm. nothing's, nothing's really right here and they're kind of taking jabs at each other about things or that there's a family member who's just not satisfied with anything here and they're very um, uh, counterproductive to mm-hmm. the activity, then the spidey senses go up, mm-hmm. you know. And that he says that he would rather not do that wedding. He would rather say, you know, pick another location for your event. And that way he says he saved himself, you know, some situations. But, um, but yeah, for a fight to break out at a wedding. You know. Oh, yeah. But it, it usually is because someone drank too much. Yeah, you know, a- and, and lost self-control and... and it tended to happen with younger um, family, you know, and friends rather than an older crowd. Uh, but, you know, sometimes you have cultures that demand your presence at a, an event, but they don't really want to be there. And you sense the tension. Mm. That, that happens, too. Mm-hmm. And that's why some families go to great lengths in where they seat people, that they put them on opposite sides of the room, their backs. You know, I, 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 I'm telling you, this happened to me uh, at a, a very lovely hotel where there were some family members, distant relatives, that were invited because they felt they had to. And I was instructed by the mother of the bride to make sure that only these three tables had seating cards, but to make sure that these four people did not face her, that their backs were at each other, that Mm -hmm. neither of them would look at each other. Wow. And 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 the thing is, I didn't know who these people were. I just knew the names. So when they sat down at two of these tables, I had myself and one of my assistants go over and introduce ourselves and say um we want to make sure all the family um, is comfortable, and I, I just wanted to make sure Mrs. So-and-so, uh, and then I would find out if it was the right card or not, mm-hmm. just to make sure that we had, you know, because I didn't want them to say, well, I really rather would sit over there. You know, that I had to be really careful and not encourage that but just to introduce myself Uh and just say, you know, 
we have three family tables and and I wanted to let you know uh, we're here to make everybody's evening as pleasant as possible. And that's all. But I had to make sure that that person matched that card. <laughs> In a very diplomatic way. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, I often wonder without saying it to anybody but to you right now, if they didn't really kind of know what was going on. You know, if families probably know a lot more members than they realize. Because mm -hmm. if stuff's been going on for a long time, there's probably reasons, you uh -huh. know. And hopefully none is the wiser, you know, as far as who knows what. Right. So. Um, this brings up one other thing, which I, I think is parallel to what you, we started talking about when you talked, uh, posed the question in an event, if everybody's in sync and the priorities and the purposes are engaged and everyone knows about it. Sometimes I really feel that we are told things, very personal things, sometimes even intimate details about someone's life, their relationships with others, mm -hmm. because they trust us and they also want to impress upon us how important whatever detail they're giving us really is so that we make sure to follow certain directions, whether positive or negative, whatever it is, so that they can relax, so they can and really enjoy the evening, okay? Now, sometimes they will share these idiosyncratic nature of others or themselves or something about the health, whether it's physical or mental, emotional, of someone else in the family, so that we can be prepared. So mm -hmm. it's mainly for everybody's good, but they draw you in close to them, sometimes for a short period of time, and in some cases, for several weeks or months. It's mm -hmm. almost like they're building an ally so that when the day comes, you will truly understand. You will have bonded with them or the other people and, and have a sensitivity to what is needed. And mm -hmm. some people will take great strength and time to build that that emotional tie with you because it's that important to them okay and obviously i've been a willing person over the years to do that however i don't believe the families really get what the aftermath 
of that event brings those of us who have been brought into that circle. Because you and I know and have experienced it enough that the curtain goes down on the performance. And mm -hmm. oftentimes, the curtain goes down on that relationship. Not in a mean way, not in a uh, selfish way necessarily, but the purpose of that relationship that we have had with the client ends. And you'll never know what happened to that family. Mm. I got to tell you, in the beginning, when I was drawn into situations like that and felt responsible for the health and safety, frankly, of some situations and just even after a brief time afterwards, you know, I would get a thank you and, oh my God, everything went smoothly. I can't thank you enough for understanding and being so sensitive and all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. They were ready to sever the ties. I'm the one that had the problem <laughs> that I wanted to make sure that everything was okay farther down the line. Uh -huh. I wanted to know that they were okay or somebody, you know, something was resolved. Mm -hmm. And and so it took me a little while to make that adjustment, mm -hmm. you know, how to get involved, do what I had to do, and then step back and allow the curtain to fall. Life goes on. It does. It does. There will always be another story to take place of the other one. <laughs> there is a, a story by actor Joffrey Lewis. He, you've seen this, him, him act uh, yeah. in many, many films. And he had a group called Celestial Navigations where he would do a spoken word performance. Ooh. And, uh, and I had the pleasure of working with some of the guys who worked with him to underscore mm -hmm. some of the dramatic readings and dramatic stories that he would do. And one of the questions or one of the uh, premise that was explored by one of his stories was, um, what's the most pleasurable moment of a relationship or within mm -hmm. that we've we've known each other this long i think mostly it was in in the scenario it was a a wife asking the husband that and he goes through various of of his life uh with her and and he starts to recall various incidents and various pleasure moments and various things and and at the end of the these several stories, he kept coming back to this one thing. Well, what's the most pleasurable? You know, what was the, what was the thing about it? And he came to the conclusion, it was the next moment, mm. or the next story, or the next for our for our purposes, the next event, mm -hmm. the next collaboration. 
Very interesting. I like that. Yeah, I, I, I hate to uh, spoil that that story before you had a chance to hear it, but uh, I'll, I'll get it over to you and uh, you, okay. can, you can listen to it. But that you know, I, I think that what you uh, said can be applied to so many things because, you know, if you're an athlete, an actor, parent, a child, it doesn't matter. But part of life is, is looking forward to that next story, that next challenge, that next race, that next, you know, day at the office, whatever. Because you don't know what it's going to bring. And it just might be something, you know, really grand and important. Or just the same and more of what you like. And I kind of think that's what keeps us involved in the industry. Even after so many years and so many events, is that there really are none that are exactly the same. There's no two will ever be exactly the same. You have been listening to Wedding and Event Podcast with Toby Dodge and Eric Zimmerman. If you have a question, comment, or topic suggestion, please call Eric at 626-797-1795 or contact Eric by email eric at elegantmusic.com that's e-r-i-c at elegantmusic.com contact toby by email toby at prepared.com that's t-o-b-e-y at p-r-e-p-a-i-r-e-d dot com subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and receive a new episode each week thank you for listening